Morning again, everyone. So our kids have, um, I think they got them for Christmas this past year. Christy, you can correct me later if I'm wrong. Um, these CDs um, that actually I got them for Christmas because there was a little mix-up on whose wish list um, they were on. I was really confused when, we, when I got them. I was like, oh, well, okay, this is great. But it's, there, it's a set of two CDs um, of, of children's songs. Um, but what they are, they're just, they're just scripture songs. Um, they're songs that, you know, are just, you know, pretty good memory verses uh, for them to learn, honestly. And remember, several weeks back, uh, when I was talking about the role of music and how much our kids love when, you know, some, a memory verse that they have, their favorite ones to practice and their favorite ones to say are the ones that have a song that they know to go with them, because then after we do the memory verse, then we have to stop to sing for a little bit. Um, and these are really, they're, they're, they're quite good. And we've been listening to them in the car for, you know, a lot, for especially the last few months. Um, and I find myself on, you know, more often than I'd like to admit, you know, especially when I'm, like, around here at the building and there aren't many people around, I suddenly catch myself singing these children's songs of, of, of memory verses, which, not a bad thing. I mean, of all songs to get stuck in your head, these aren't bad ones to have stuck in your head. And there's one that was, has been stuck in my head a lot for the last couple of weeks. Um, and it's the song that went along with the scripture reading that we just had. The Fruits of the Spirit. Um, there's lots of different kids' songs that teach Fruits of the Spirit. I think there's even a VeggieTales one um, that I know a lot, a lot of kids know, and I think I know for some reason. Um, but this particular version of the song... Um, it's actually done sort of to the, uh, um, to the tune of uh, the style of a march. And the little introduction, there's a little chant at the introduction of this before they get to the fruit of the Spirit. And they sort of chant this verse that comes after the fruits of the Spirit. In verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's in the, the verse that Evelyn put on the front of the bulletin this morning. And I had known the fruits of the Spirit and had that verse memorized, heard lots of songs about it before. Um, but one day we were driving along in the car, and that song came on. And that introduction came up. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Then they proceeded to say, sing, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt challenged by a children's song before, <laughs> but I was. I've known that list. I've known so many songs with that list through most of my life. But, like, unfortunately, one of the downsides of memory verses is sometimes if we just do one or two verses together, we might miss something really important. And... It was really brought to my attention when instead of ending with, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, they started with that one. That was their introduction, this verse. It seemed to be like they were saying to me, Nathan, okay, if you live by the Spirit, which, hey, you're, you're a Christian, you're, you're living by the Spirit, right? We'll say, if we live by the Spirit, well, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And here's what that looks like. Love, joy, peace. Patience, or else the scripture reading said forbearance, but I'm going with what I memorized. <laughs> Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There was a challenge laid down by a kid's song. 
a challenge really that was laid down by Scripture, that if we live by the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with this. And now every time I think of that list, every time that song goes through my head, I say, wow, these are things that I know were good. These are things that I know were supposed to characterize my life. But do they? If, I, if someone were to describe me and my life, is that the list that they would use? We've been pretty good as a church historically, especially in our tradition in, in Churches of Christ, at being really good at what we talked about last week. Really good talking to people about what it means to enter in to the kingdom of God. We're really good on accepting Christ and coming to Him on His terms, dying with Him in a death like His in baptism, raising up to walk a new life. But one thing, I mean, that part's relatively simple. But one thing that we haven't always been quite as good at is the now what part. What's next? What does this life look like now that I'm part of the kingdom? You see, that part's a little more complicated. That part seems a lot more complex. I think it's a pretty common experience for just about all of us probably that are in the kingdom that did come to Christ, who have been baptized, that you have that moment of relief of freedom, of that burden of sin, that weight that's been lifted from your shoulders and from your heart. Knowing that you've been declared righteous by God, not because of your own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ who you have just been clothed in. And then you get up again the next morning and the flesh is still there. What happened? You get up the next morning and you're like, oh, I still have to deal with temptation. I don't have to deal with it alone. But life doesn't just become easy at that moment. We have to still keep in step with the Spirit. Because, see, we're dealing in this time, in this life, we're dealing with the flesh and the spirit that aren't always in agreement with each other. In fact, the passage that we read from earlier, especially if you look at the broader context that we'll look at in a minute, seems to show us that there are a lot of times where they are in direct conflict. And we know that the flesh, whenever we see the term the flesh in Scripture, and in New Testament letters especially, you know, the, the real weight of meaning behind that, I mean, the, the sinful nature our, our proclivity, our tendency to sin, our tendency towards selfishness and pride to do what seems right to us in the moment instead of what seems and what is right according to God. But you see, the flesh may be sinful, but it's really comfortable. The flesh may be sinful, but it feels really safe sometimes. In fact, if we look up a, a little ahead of a passage we're going to look at in just a minute, but in verse 19 of, of Galatians 5, before our reading, it says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, is how it leads in to this thought. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Like Paul's saying here, like, you know, I don't even need to tell you this thing that I'm about to tell you, because you know. You know the sinfulness of the flesh because it's easy, because it's comfortable, because it's everywhere around you. It is entirely and completely natural. 
Staying in step with the flesh is easy. Staying in step with the world is easy. And we probably do it a lot more than we realize some of the time. Ray, I'm going to ask you to make sure that I turned on the audio. I forgot to tell you that I had a video clip that I wanted to use just to make sure the sound's on. I want you to take a look at this for a minute. No grades just take, gentlemen. Just take a stroll. There it is. get there one day. Mr. Cameron, you can see him thinking, is this right? It might be right. It might be right. I know that. Maybe not. I don't know. Mr. Overstreet, driven by a deeper force. Yes. We know that. All right. And I didn't bring them up here to ridicule them. I brought them up here to illustrate the point of conformity, the difficulty in maintaining your own beliefs in the face of others. Now, those of you, I see the look in your eyes like, I would have walked differently. Well, ask yourselves why you are clapping. And we all have a great need for acceptance. But you must trust that your beliefs are unique, your own, even though others may think them odd or unpopular, even though the herd may go, that's bad. (laughs) Robert Frost said, two roads diverged in the wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. I want you to find your own walk right now, your own way of striding, pacing, any direction, anything you want, whether it's proud, whether it's silly, anything. Gentlemen, the courtyard is yours. <laughs> you don't have to perform. You just make it for yourself. <laughs> Mr. Dalton, you'll be joining us. Exercising the right not to walk. Thank you, Mr. Dalton. Just illustrate the point. Swim against the stream. While we might have some other specific advice to give than he did there at the end. While we might have some other details, we might like to fill in there about how we find the walk we should be walking. And there's a very powerful point made in there. There's a couple lines that says that always stick with me. First off, the, the big obvious one that I think we all know to be true, that we all have a great need for acceptance. Now, there when he talks about conformity as the difficulty of maintaining your own beliefs in the face of others. Sounds like a good sermon right there. In fact, Scripture has a good deal to say about conformity and conforming to the beliefs of others, conforming our beliefs in the face of others. In fact, a passage that we look at so often, the beginning of Romans chapter 12, says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, and you of God's mercy to offer your bodies as, living sac- as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
But like Paul said here in Galatians, well, the acts of the flesh are obvious. We see them everywhere around us. We see them within ourselves. It's sadly the default position of humanity to work according to the flesh. And so what does the flesh produce? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and hatred. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We know what the flesh produces. We see it within ourselves. We see it in the world around us. Yet it's so easy to just be walking along, having the pace we're supposed to to have, the steps that we know we're supposed to be taking, and before we know it, we're walking right in step with the other people around us, with the world around us. And even if we're not, maybe we're at least standing on the sidelines clapping. Maybe we can say we've kept our distance from it, but maybe in our hearts we're still right there. It's frustrating that that's so natural and that it's so easy. Since we live by the Spirit, we must keep in step with the Spirit. See, keeping in step with the Spirit requires our attention. It requires us just not falling in line with whatever drumbeat and rhythm is going on around us, but paying attention and making a choice. It requires knowing where the Spirit leads, and you know, so much ink has been spilled and so much discussion has taken place over the centuries of how do we know where the Spirit is leading us? How do we know what the will of God is? How do I know what God's calling me to right here and right now? And those are good questions. And they deserve the writing and the thought and the discussion that's taken place in all of them. But I think sometimes we're skipping to the end when really the beginning is pretty simple and pretty obvious. You see, through the work of the Spirit, the Word of God has been preserved for us. There's a lot that isn't too complicated. There's a lot of it that's fairly simple. It's just not easy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't think those are words that any of us have to go look up. In the dictionary. I don't think those are concepts that are foreign to any of us. But they're also not concepts that we're just going to accidentally wander into. I wish I could tell you that it was just as easy to fall in line with those things as it is to fall in line with the world around us. But I tell you, you're not going to follow God. You're not going to keep in step with the Spirit by accident. I wish we would. Wouldn't that make things so much easier? Wouldn't that make this world a much more pleasant place to be if we just by default accidentally were in step with the Spirit? And so while some of the details and some of the more complicated and complex issues of following God and listening to the Spirit, yeah, those are out there. But sometimes we just need to start with that first step. Do we care enough to ask the question, what would God have of me today? How can I show love 
today. And I'm not going to give the whole list again. I think I've said it like five times already. How can I show all of those qualities? How can I keep in step with the Spirit today? Forget even today, right now. For the next five minutes. (laughs) Sometimes it's as simple as asking ourselves that question. Caring enough to ask that question and paying attention to the lives we're leading, the choices that we're making, the opportunities that God's putting our way. And I don't want you to hear this and say, like, oh, well, Nathan's saying, just, you know, if you just pay attention, if you just ask yourself the right questions and just do the right thing all the time, God just wants you to do the right thing all the time, right? As long as you do the right thing all the time, then you're good with God. And that's not what I'm saying either. I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm not talking about saying you have to get it all right to be pleasing to God. Because, see, it's not about how much we get right. But it is about whose power we depend on. It's not about how many times we fall down. And I'm not going to go with the cliche and say it's about how many times we get up again. Because it's not about that either. It's about how we get up. You see, they say that the, you know, the American way, the modern way, is to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Your bootstraps are made of dust. They will falter and they will fail. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We can do on our own. We think we have such power to change ourselves. Such power to lift ourselves up out of any trouble we may get ourselves into. We're such good idolaters, aren't we? We so easily place ourselves and human potential on such a high pedestal to say, you know what, I know I'm going to fall down, but I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to do better. Our bootstraps are made of dust, and so are you. We falter and we fail. But we serve a God who never falters, and we serve a God who never fails, and we serve a God who doesn't just say go. He doesn't just say, you know what, you need to do these things for me. Go on, get to it, get to work. No, he says, come with me. He says, follow me. He says, I'm going to be with you. It's a good thing too, because otherwise his commands are impossible. I like to think about the impossible sometimes. I love, so I had, when I was a, a, in high school, I had several, including this one, several M.C. Escher prints that hung in my room. I think I've still got them hanging around somewhere. I loved seeing these visual representations of the impossible. I could just get lost in them for a while, just following the staircases around or some of the, like, the, the Mobius strip type illustrations or, or the things that, you know, these drawings that are meant to look like they're in three dimensions, but suddenly the back is in front of the front and all these different impossible things, things that could not exist in reality. And it's an interesting exercise to look at things that are impossible and just kind of get lost and mesmerized in them. I like that kind of impossible when it's on a piece of paper. But when Jesus, I've been thinking about Lazarus a lot this week, some deaths of loved ones, of people that I care about. And I'll never, I think there are a few more surprising things that Jesus says than when he goes to the tomb of Lazarus, 
knowing that he's dead and being reminded that he has been dead for a little while now when they tell him to, to move the stone away from the tomb. And he says, he gives a command. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gives a command to Lazarus. Lazarus, come out of there. That's an impossible command. Because he's dead. Jesus, over and over again, calls us to come and follow him. He calls us to a new life. He calls us to, to live this life of the Spirit. To live a life full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I said I wasn't going to say it again, but I did. Sorry. He calls us to live that kind of life. And guess what? That is an impossible command because we were dead. But he says, come out. Come out of your tomb. Come and follow me. Because the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is the power that enabled Lazarus to obey that command. That power of God enabled a dead man to obey. It was impossible. But guess what? He did it. He got up and he came out of the tomb. Some people weren't too happy about that either. But he did it. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is at work in you. Don't ever forget that. When you're reading through a scripture and you're looking at this and you're saying, wow, this life in the Spirit, this is impossible. Yeah, isn't it great? Isn't it great? We get to do the impossible. I can't think of signing up for anything better than that. Yes, we do our best for him. And there's even a song that we sing every once in a while. I'll do my best for him. But don't ever get so distracted by your own efforts, thinking that doing your best for him is something that you do on your own. You will only do your best for him if you're doing your best through him. And we will only do our best through him if we keep walking. Since we live by the Spirit, we must keep in step with the Spirit. We keep in step. We keep walking. We keep moving. We get up and we move forward. When Jesus says, come out of there, we come out of that tomb. We walk. Everything that you need, everything that I need has been provided. The power is there. It's not your own, but you've got it. Not to oversimplify this, but I think this part is a little bit simple. It's just a matter of, we have what we need, are you going, are you going to live it? Are you going to stand up and say, yes, I will make that choice to follow? The power to keep in step with the Spirit has been given to you if you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ and you need that power, well, we can take care of that. We can talk to you about that. We can show you how to be in Christ, how to be clothed with Him, how to live in the Spirit. But to start that journey and to continue it, there's one thing that you need. You simply need the will to keep in step. Even if you feel like you don't have the strength to put one foot in front of the other, guess what you do? 
You don't need your own strength for that. What you need is the will, the devotion, the heart that says, I'm going to pursue you, God, even though I can't do it on my own. Because that's something that God, I'm sure, looks at us and says, yeah, I can work with that. He looks at us in our powerlessness, in our weakness, in our sinfulness. But when we come with empty hands and an open heart, a heart that says, I love you, God, and I'm going to go where you lead me. I'm sure God looks at us and says, hey, that's all I need. I got everything else. I've got the power. I've got the strength. I've got... I just needed your heart. If you need to give your heart to him for the first time today, I pray that you would do it. If you've given your heart to him before, and maybe it's wandered off into a different path, maybe it's been keeping in step with the world a little bit more than in the spirit. Maybe you feel like you've fallen down over and over and over again. Well, this morning I want to say to you, well, you can get up, even if you don't feel like you can. Because the power of God enables you to. In fact, the power of God is the only thing that will enable you to. If you need to avail yourself of that power this morning, if you need your brothers and sisters to surround you, to remind you through prayer and love of the love and power of God, if there's anything that we can do for you this morning to help you keep in step with the Spirit, please come and let us know while we stand and while we sing.